cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency and the host of Chatting Cyber Podcast. Uh, today, cyber celebrity, we have a true national hero, Curtis Dukes. Curtis, thank you for joining today. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, appreciate, appreciate the time. So, so Curtis, my, my first question is, how does a guy who grew up in humble beginnings down in Florida end up being a director of the NSA? Yeah, it's uh, if you if you'd asked me to script out my uh, my life's journey, I would have never uh, I would never script it this way. Um, you know, I really um, you know I really just wanted to be able to um, to get a, a, an education. I mean, pretty humble beginnings, and we didn't have the uh, income to send me to school. And so what I did was I actually joined the uh, United States Air Force uh, at the age of seventeen. Um, you know, did a hitch there with them, but you know, got you know. Like like a lot of like a lot of other Americans, actually, you know, got you know went to school on the GI Bill, um, and at that point in time, um, you know, I really my strongest desire was uh, you know, was to become an engineer. I mean, you know, either an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer. Uh, for me, you know, more technical background, so I wanted to, I wanted to go into the engineering field for that. But when I got to the University of Florida, uh, I realized that the the actual um, uh, requirements you know, to get the degree in engineering would have would have forced me to be there at least three to four years. Uh, I was already, you know, um, you know, you know, at the age of uh, our, our already was 22, and you know, at that point in time, you know, I, I didn't want to waste another three years before you know starting earning a, earning a livelihood. So I actually switched to um, to um, the field of computer science and was able to get my um, my degree requirements done within the, within the two year two year window. Um, at that point in time, um, you know, I had again been in the Air Force and I had been um, sent overseas, and I was actually did a tour in in Berlin. At that time, you know, Berlin was a um, you know a, um, divided city, right? You know, it, it still was you know uh, had four powers there as a result of World War II. So, um, as you may um, 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 imagine. You know, uh, Berlin was also um, um, a site where uh, we did uh, intelligence collection, um, and mm -hmm. so I was part of that. Um, and I, at that point in time, I recognized, you know, um, I wouldn't mind once I get my degree, um, you know, going and joining the National Security Agency and actually getting um, posted back in Berlin, but as a civilian, not not a not a military member for that. I did not succeed in that. Uh, but I, what I did succeed in is actually going, getting back to Germany, um, and so I actually um, did a hitch uh, with the uh, with the National Security Agency in Stuttgart, uh, Germany, for that. But you know, what happened was, you know, you know, one year turns to three, turns to five, turns to ten, and before you know it, you know, you're like, you know, you're two decades into a, a career, you're you're making advancement to higher levels of responsibility. Um, and, you know, and um, NSA put a lot of faith in, uh, in my, um, in my abilities. And so at the end of, you know, 30 plus years, you know, they um, um, selected me to be the director for information assurance. It's now the cybersecurity director at, at NSA. It's really, you know, within NSA, they have two missions. One, cyber, uh, one is um, cybersecurity or information assurance, and the other one is, is signals intelligence. So I actually led that entire, you know, if you will, um, uh, mm -hmm. unit 
on behalf of on behalf of the NSA, um, and it was it was a phenomenal career. Um, I never had a bad day. I had many many long days, but never had a bad day. Um, and uh, you know, I, I look back fondly on on that career. So, so when you think about your time in the NSA, and really, I mean, you were there at the time of really the creation almost of the internet, and you know, new commercial technologies and things of that nature. You know, how do you how do you feel that um, how was it really seeing these new technologies develop, and and what were you were you concerned about the way that small businesses are really protecting themselves? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of history in the in those 33 years. And I, I will tell you, the first time I actually, um, you know, connected to the um, to the internet, it was with an acoustic modem. I mean, most mm-hmm. folks don't think about that today, but you know, putting a phone uh, phone receiver in an actual acoustic modem, and you know, maybe dealing with you know 300 you know uh, 300 baud uh, modems at that point in time. I mean, it was incredibly low tech, but you could quickly see that. Um, you know, that computers were going to, were, were going to be a disruption, you know, not only um, within national security systems for which I was responsible uh, providing security for, but just as a, um, as an economic enabler uh, for, uh, for society. Uh, and so, um, you know, I'd like, I'd like to believe that NSA, you know, you know, kind of always wants to stay at the tip of where technology is going. And so it gave lots of opportunities to um, you know, to kind of learn, learn you know where where this trend line was going uh, um, in in some instance, and so um, you know, and it also it actually it it fundamentally changed um, you know the the cyber defense mission at NSA you know based on how quickly um, the technology was adopted uh, was adopted globally. Uh, when it comes to um, you know um, some of, some of the experiences, I, I would tell you the first lesson. Is that um, is that you know user experience will always um, was will always win out you know and so you know as a as a cybersecurity professional I always want to you know you know you know do this that and the other thing and and that always incurs a penalty on on user user experience right but in the end of the day and this is true whether it's in uh, in the military or in the federal space or in in the private sector. Um, you know, you've got to uh, offer users you know, a pleasing experience. Otherwise, you know, they will look for all, all alternative means to to uh, for their own business uh, success. So that's kind of the first lesson that kind of I learned from that. The second one is is that the more powerful um, the technology, the you know, the more invisible um, the dependence on it becomes, right? And so, I mean, we we just use technology today without even thinking about it, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, most of us are on online, you know, I would say 12 to 15 hours a day, um, you know, and not, that's not all continuous, uh, there's bits and spurts, but, um, you know, you know, it is, uh, technology is in, ingrained in the fabric of who we are and how we actually um, communicate as a society today. The, um, the third lesson learned, and, and I believe this is also problematic in, in the private sector and, and, and specifically with small and medium enterprises is that, you know, it's easy to budget uh, for new um, new systems, new hardware, new software, um, but you know the actual life cycle maintenance uh, of, of those um, uh, you know is is you know is problematic. It certainly is problematic in in the, um, in the federal space, right? They they will acquire, but then they don't actually continue the investment in, in the life cycle maintenance uh, for that. And I also believe in small and medium enterprises. You know they you know it's a it's a capital cost, a capex. 
um, that you know that they have to um, pay for, and then they're always looking for to minimize, you know, um, costs to to increase um, you know um, um, uh, profits uh, for them, and so. Um, and what that what that incurs though is is that you know you now um, you now have end of life hardware and software and that just creates a, an easier attack service for uh, for an adversary to to use to um, to exploit your exploit your environment for that and so I think you know that's the piece where I think um, small and medium enterprises continue to kind of kind of struggle is, is is understanding that dependence on technology how it impacts you know their business operations, uh, and then making sure that they're they're sufficiently resourced, um, you know, to to limit, um, if you will, um, um, business risk. Sure. So so let's change gears, Curtis, and think about uh, well. First of all, can you tell us what the CIS is, um, and then you know how are they really helping the the middle market space? Yeah, so um, CIS is is a small nonprofit, you know, um, and we we have two missions. The first mission really is is in support of the Department of Homeland Security, um, and we provide, um, if you will, cyber threat and, um, intelligence and analysis to the SLTT community. The SLTT community is states, localities, tribal areas, and uh, and territories. Uh, so there's 56 um, uh, SLTT um, communities, if you will, and then of course. Um, you know, as you get down to the local, uh, local, it, it blossoms out to, you know, thousands uh, for that. But we do that on behalf of, of DHS. The other uh, mission that we have is, is the creation and promulgation of, of, of cybersecurity best practice um, guidance. And so we do that in two forms. We have uh, the CIS controls and we have the CIS benchmarks. The controls really, um, it's, it's, it's a prioritized set of actions that we want every organization to take, you know, to implement as part of an effective cybersecurity um, or cyber defense program, you know, for that. One of the components um, um, of those prioritized set of actions is, is, is the other uh, product that we have, which is the, the CIS benchmarks. Benchmarks being uh, specific configuration guidance for uh, vendor products. So I think um, within Microsoft, it'd be uh, Windows 10, it would be Windows Server, it would be, um, you know, Microsoft Exchange Server, um, it would be, um, you know, their, their web, uh, their web server, as well as their, their office application, but we, we actually give um, configuration recommendations for each one of those products. We do that over 40 vendor product, product families, uh, and within that, we, we maintain um, approximately 140 um, uh, benchmarks uh, for that, but those two components really, for me, form the foundation of a of a, a basic or effective cyber you know um, cyber hygiene uh, in that regard. And so we what we what we tried to do is you know take those products, then simplify how you actually implement and measure yourself against those, uh, and that and that can be used whether you're a Fortune 100 company all the way all the way down to um, a small. Um, three-person, five-person, um, you know, business, you know, that, you know, that's oper operating uh, maybe uh, in e-commerce, but we want to simplify the implementation of a, an effective cybersecurity program, um, you know, for them. It has been a focus for CIS for the last 18 to 24 months is really is trying to serve, if you will, that, that underserved, that just don't have the resources available to them that a, that a Fortune, you know, Fortune 50 or Fortune 100 company has available to them. Curtis, do, do you or does CIS have any recommendations about cyber insurance for middle market businesses? 
Yeah, I, um, we do. Um, and so um, I'll, I'll start with, you know, um, there are um, really uh, world-class enterprise risk um, uh, methodologies or, you know, as, as part of the, you know, uh, uh, effective management program uh, for that. And, uh, but they're, they're highly complex. You know, there, there's one I'm very familiar with. It's, it's got 10 steps um, in it. And, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, actually trying to implement that uh, methodology within a, a small and medium business is, is, it's probably a bridge too far. So what we CIS are trying to do is actually trying to simplify an enterprise risk um, methodology for small and medium uh, enterprises. And so it really starts with, you know, establishing a, a baseline um, um, cyber hygiene program within your organization. For us, it would be um, the CIS critical security controls and implementation group one. That's a that's a set of 43 actions that we believe every organization should take. Um, the next piece of that is to um, is to then you know measure if there's any residual risk that you that you have, and we're creating tooling to actually help automate that um, for an organization. You know, it would be it would be a simple um, Q and A. Uh, to help you uh, understand what what are the impacts to your business, you you would answer those. It gives you um, an upper and lower bound for that, and then we we quantify that and identify if there's any uh, residual risk for you. At that point in time, you know, then you have you know you have in effect three, um, you know, a choice of, of uh, a decision that has uh, three options for you. Uh, the first option is is to accept the risks as they are based on you know the the, the level effort you've already done. The second choice is to, you know, um, an additional um, cybersecurity spend to actually close some of those gaps. Or the third uh, option for you is actually is to just um, move to um, move to some, um, you know, cyber um, cyber insurance. Right. Uh, for me personally, if I were a smaller medium enterprise, um, I wouldn't worry about the risk assessment. I mean, I would I would do you know, establish that basic cyber hygiene uh, based on the controls. And then I would actually move to um, offset any, any residual risk by, uh, by using um, uh, cyber, uh, cyber insurance. The, um, but what you should be able to do though, is be able to negotiate with that broker, you know, that look, I'm taking security seriously. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm aligning to. Here's how I'm measuring. Um, and then hopefully that would, uh, you know, you know, for that broker to be able to say, based on what you've done, we're, we're able to offer you a, um, a policy at, at this level, you know, uh, and for that. And so I think that's, that would be the win-win. Uh, and I think that's where we, we hopefully can dif differentiate and actually help, help small and medium enterprises. Right now, it's, it's a bit of a, if you will, a wild, wild west, you know, each, each insurance broker um, has their own set of criteria that they use to in an effort to um, underwrite a policy uh, for sure. that. You'd like to see some standardization within that. Sure. Uh, it would make my job a lot easier, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, so Curtis, um, thinking about the middle market space and, and on a go forward basis when we're looking at, you know, 2022 going forward, um, what are your largest concerns really around information security for the middle market? Yeah, um, you know, I would say, you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, go, uh, certainly 21 going into 22, um, 2022 is really still around um, ransomware and the, um, the ability um, of the um, 
of the criminal, you know, um, to actually modify, you know, uh, how they how they attack you, right? And so, what I mean by that is, is if you actually look at, you know, ransomware, you know, from 2019, it was actually trailing down. The number of um, ransomware attacks was actually trending down. Of course, then we had the pandemic, and you know, it 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 shot through the roof, and it was pretty much every sector was was targeted. You know, maybe more. Um, um, more focus was on uh, on the healthcare sector as well as on the um, the K K through twelve for that. But what what happened was um, it went from let me just lock up your data and you know and you either pay the ransom or you have to try to recover your data through through some other means. They actually started um, modifying you know their uh, their operating model. Not only did they lock up your data, but they also um, you know, they actually uh, exfiltrated the data, and um, and then so if you didn't pay the ransom, then they you know they they threatened to um, expose that data, right? Some of which could be um, could be harmful to the company. It could be personally, um, you know, you know, you know, some of the communications, you know, could be you know could be problematic as well. Um, and so so what we're seeing is is how adept um, you know adversaries are in this case criminal networks are at um, um, you know, at modifying their their TT uh, their TTPs, their tactics, techniques, and procedures. Um, you know, to you know to to reach what you know their mission objective, which is to pay have you pay uh, pay out some um, you know um, you know uh, ransom uh, ransomware payment uh, in that regard. So uh, so that to me is the number one you know that we have to focus on. You know, yes, you know, I, you know, every one of us is familiar with Solar Winds. Um, that's a supply chain risk management attack, um, and um, but I still think there's really some basic fundamental, fundamental things that you know the small and medium um, market needs to to focus on before I would worry about a supply chain risk management attack. I just think um, the need is at that level first, and then and then as you as you perfect that, then uh, then look at um, other ways that adversaries attack, principally through uh, through the supply chain. Sure. So, so Curtis, we've spoken about, you know, your time in the NSA, you know, where you've grown up, uh, what you're doing with the CIS, um, guidance for the middle market. Is there anything that I should have asked you in today's podcast that we didn't get a chance to speak about? Yeah, a great question. And, and I would tell you that, you know, one other piece that that the Center for Internet Security is trying to do is, you know, you know, we 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 create and promulgate, um, you know, best practice guidance, right? But you know, historically, that guidance was just, you know, it was, if you will, um, you know, uh, volunteers getting together and saying, yeah, we think this is a good idea as an action that that you take. Um, it wasn't based off of actual, um, you know, threat, uh, threat data. Right. And so what's happened in the last uh, 18 months or so has been, you know, the the, the MITRE um, um, federally funded research and development center, they created the attack framework. Um, and what that is, is really uh, they, they were modeling an adversary, how they actually attack you, their their tactics, their techniques, and 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 the pattern that actually is used to actually attack um, attack a, a business. And so, what we did was, you know, okay, based on that, that the, how attacker is operating, what would be an effective set of mitigation? So we actually mapped the CIS controls uh, and benchmarks, you know, to to those uh, attacker techniques. Um, and so what that does is actually say, okay, cause and effect, right? You know, and so um, if I if uh, if this is you know a, an attacker technique that I have to worry about, what would be my mitigation for that? And so 
So we're now putting that together. I'm not aware of anyone else that's 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 done that. So so what we hope to be able to do next is create a heat map of those attack techniques. And so what would be the the 10, the 20, the 30 um, attack techniques that adversaries are using it at, at you know um, to great effect, um, and make sure that these become the priority prioritized set of actions that uh, that you need to do to defend yourself for that. And so by mapping that you know, techniques to um, attack techniques to mitigation, I actually think that's going to raise, uh, raise cybersecurity um, across the board for us. And, uh, and so we, we published our, our first community defense model um, last, uh, last August, uh, and we're looking to update that in the, in the May timeframe uh, as well. Uh, and again, um, really tying it to how, how adversaries, what techniques they actually use to exploit you, I think is, 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 um, uh, is foundational for for uh, cybersecurity going forward. So, so Curtis, if if our listeners wanted to find that report that's going to be coming out in May, how how can they find that? Should they reach out to you directly? Is there a website that you could direct them to? Yep, um, it's it's uh, it's on our um, cisecurity.org website. Um, and so you just if you just um, uh, search on community defense model. Um, it'll come up and it's a free download. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. I mean, when we published in August, we got a lot of um, really positive feedback on, on that. And then really it's, it's driving, um, if you will, driving security in that direction. A number of, a number of vendors now are lining uh, to the controls and actually have that in their dashboard to be able to measure against that. But it really, I think that was, that was the disruption that needed to occur. But yes, it's it's on our website. Just just um, search on community defense model. Excellent. Well, Curtis, thank you for coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Hey, Mark, it's been a pleasure. You know, love 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 your program, and uh, and hopefully maybe at some point in the future you'll invite me back. You know, just to just to catch up again. Ab- absolutely, Curtis. Welcome anytime. Thank you again for your service, and thank you for chatting cyber. You bet. Take care.